Welcome back to another episode of People Presence. Today, I am sitting down to chat with Dr. Jay Middle. Jay is a kind man. He is a surgeon, and he is super kind. Early on in our conversation, you'll hear us reference the fact that we sat down to talk, and we had a lovely conversation, and I went to hit stop, and I hadn't recorded any of it. And Jay was so kind and gracious, and I was really touched by his kindness because he's a busy man. He's a surgeon and a family man, and I was so embarrassed, and he just put my mind to rest and was like, no big deal, let's do it again. And just the kindness was overwhelming to me. So I just want to start by saying thank you so much, Jay, for recording a second episode with me. So thoughtful of you. And I'm really glad we did because I feel like I got to know you even better. The second time we sat down to talk, we talked about some different things. So that was super fun to get to see where our conversation would go at a different time. Have you all ever wondered, like the behind the scenes, if a doctor was to tell you what to do to be healthy, what would they say? Like, they are wise in their medical field and they know pitfalls that people often fall into. Well, Dr. Jay Middle is going to tell you the inside scoop. Three things that he would recommend for every human to be healthy. I'm not going to tell you them, though. You have to listen. I also wanted to ask Jay, how do you pick a good surgeon? I'm always curious with people who are in various professions, if you were going to have to use this service or this industry, how would you know who to use or who not to use? Jay fills us in on that as well. I was really impressed upon the fact that Jay really believes that it is not possible to multitask. I thought that was really cool in our modern age of like get it all done and make it all happen and high achievement and all these things that really from a medical standpoint, I mean, we didn't talk about the neuroscience as much about it, but just this whole idea of like, we don't really multitask well. So let's just be present where we are, which hello, people presence. It's something I'm so working on. It's kind of funny when you name a podcast show, then you feel like it has to be like your mantra or your code of ethics or something. And I have been humbled over and over again by the fact that we call this show People Presence because I'm not always so great at being present. However, I think the first step is being mindful of that and then moving forward. The last thing that I wanted to kind of give you a tip about to listen for in our episode today is this idea that we're all part of teams. Jay is not a solo surgeon just doing his thing in an OR. He has teams, and he so appreciates and respects all of those people that make up that team or the other teams that support his team. And I love that because I think sometimes we can get so tunnel vision and think that the job that we do is so important, or we can think the job that those other people do, they're really important, and I'm not important. But to see the beauty and the necessity of all of our roles that fit together to make this beautiful life is amazing. Jay, thank you so much again for sitting down to talk with me. Without further ado, Dr. Jay Middle, take two. Hey there, this is People Presence and I'm your host, Karen Hobson. This is a podcast where I interview a special guest. My hope is that through hearing their stories, you will learn something new. You might grow in your own perspective, and hopefully it'll cause you to reflect on your own life story a little bit more. I believe that every person is a present. So let's listen as we enjoy a conversation and practice the art of being present. Welcome to another episode of People Presence. This is my friend, Dr. Jay Middle. Jay, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. 
We are both taking a little deep breath. Let's just own our stuff. Um, Last time we sat down to talk, I forgot to hit record. (laughs) And Jay was so kind to be like, it's okay. It's okay. We'll do it again. Yeah, totally. So appreciate that. Thank you for your flexibility. Um, Jay, what stage of life do you find yourself at today? Besides hurried and like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's like our eternal existence, right? We're good parents. So, yeah. Um, It's interesting because of my chosen career, I end up being in a phase of life that's a little bit earlier than people who have the same chronologic age in me. Okay. So I have, you know, um, I'm sort of in a mid-stage, early to mid-stage of my career with young children, mm-hmm. um, and it just keeps me younger. So mm-hmm. I, I do feel always like um, I don't ever feel my age. That's good. Yeah. You know, I think that of myself too, because I work with young children Yeah, and I'm with kids all the time. Like on the inside, I think I feel like I'm in my mid twenties. Yeah. But I'm not. (laughs) 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 But I'm not. Yeah. But it's nice to feel that way sometimes. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. So tell us about your career. What do you do for your day job? So I'm a surgeon. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. Now you told me before that you knew you had to be a surgeon from a young age. Yes. Flush that out for me. Tell me about that. It's a difficult thing to explain. A lot of nurses, uh, physicians, surgeons will know from a really young age that they want to take care of people and in what capacity. Okay. Um, so I've always known that I wanted to be a surgeon. I experienced different responses to that Mm -hmm. towards my later teens, early twenties in life. Um, and sort of thought about doing other things, but I always kept coming back to wanting to Was it going to be in medicine still? In healthcare, okay, for the most part, okay, yeah. Well, what was your other like daydream career? There was a time where I was thinking about doing archaeology. Oh. I was thinking about getting my PhD in communication disorders and neurolinguistics. Um, I could totally see you as a communications dude. Yeah, I um, thinking within medicine of doing um, more of a medical subspecialty instead of surgery. Um, what would that be? I don't even know. like internal medicine. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I thought about doing other fields of surgery, and in the end, it just kept coming back to wanting to be a general surgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, like, at your youngest memory, what was the first time you saw blood, and it didn't gross you out? Because, like, some people, they know from the moment that they see blood, this is not going to be my thing. Like, they pass out, or, you know, they go all white. Like, you didn't have this experience. Like, blood doesn't phase you. I wouldn't say it doesn't phase me. I was in a car accident when I was eight, Oh, and there was a... Uh, I mean, it was mine, right? Like I was, uh, I'd hit my, my head um, yeah. and was taken in the emergency room. But I'd wanted to be a surgeon before that. Um, and that was an interesting experience because the physicians and nurses took fantastic care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, that was almost more inspiring. I was wondering yeah. that. Yeah, because I think some people who have traumatic injury or like a health crisis early on in their formative years, then that can 
catapult them into that and be like, that's what I want to do with my life. But, but that's you had not that what yeah. made me want to be a surgeon. It was very inspiring. I'm very grateful. I have so much to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. That's just one in a bag of so many things. Mm-hmm. Not to minimize any one thing. I'm very grateful for the care I got that day. Yeah. Because um, things could have gone very differently. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that wasn't what made me want to go okay. into surgery. Okay. I just have always wanted to do this. But that didn't freak you out, like seeing all of that blood in that car no. accident. Yeah, because I was talking with some other moms earlier today, even, and we were talking about blood, and what they, some of their children were like, absolutely not, can't do it. So we know we don't have to pursue medical schools for those children. Like, it's not yeah. in their cards. I mean, not every physician deals with um, uh, exposures and bodily fluids in that way. So you said it so professionally, bodily fluids. Yeah. We just say blood and guts. Like. Yeah, I, I'm, but I mean, it's... Um, it's not actually like a thing that it's work, so it doesn't really it's so get interesting. me that gross. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's someone and it's a person. I, I don't know. It's hard to. There's a lot of times where you do a similar thing many many times. The mm-hmm. thing that makes it special is the person you're taking care of. So I love that you just said that because I wanted to touch on that. Like one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is because I've never seen you in a medical setting, right? But your personhood. I know that you're an excellent physician and that you listen to your patients. And um, in our previous conversation, you said to me that this surgery day that you are participating in with this patient, that's a huge day for them. And you don't take that lightly. Was there a mentor in your life that helped you to recognize like surgery is a really big deal for that patient, right? And how did you become such a sensitive human being? It was really well phrased to me by a psychiatry mentor in medical school um and he was telling a patient that hopefully this is the one day you're getting treatment and Mm -hmm. it's a big day for you but we do this every day Mm -hmm. and he wanted to instill that sense of confidence Mm -hmm. and he phrased it so eloquently when I was watching him communicate and he was just a very he was a masterful communicator Mm -hmm. so um, I couldn't have ever phrased it that eloquently, mm-hmm. but um, another surgeon once phrased it a little less eloquently, <laughs> that everyone becomes religious on the day of surgery. Right. It's a huge moment for somebody to yeah. trust someone that much, to put them to sleep, to have an anesthesiologist put you to sleep and a surgeon take care of you yeah. and literally be your advocates yes. while you can't, you're, you're, you're very much... Uh, unable to advocate mm-hmm. for yourself. And you don't have another loved one advocating for you. Right. There's it's not a loved one in that. And that's our job is mm-hmm. to, to advocate for that patient at that time. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that we can put very lightly. Um, it, it is a big day. For some yeah. people, it's the biggest day of their whole life. So I just think that's really profound. And I really respect and am thankful that you as a surgeon have that viewpoint. And I hope more surgeons, I hope all surgeons have that viewpoint. Like to me, that should be like, you can't perform surgery unless you feel this way. Like The ones I've interacted with fortunately do. It was yeah. the most inspiring thing because I, um, in our last talk, mm-hmm. we talked about how I sort of ended up at the end of medical school without a career path yeah. and then taking an internship in surgery because I didn't feel like I had that much exposure in medical school because um, I had sort of tried different fields and didn't consider surgery as seriously as I had mm-hmm. going into medical school. Um, and um, 
I was so inspired by the surgeons I worked with mm-hmm. during my internship that I, I knew that that's what I had to do at that point. Um, so most of the surgeons I've encountered have that same mentality. We take uh, work fairly seriously. And, um, the patient experience is so important mm-hmm. when you're going through something that, 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 that's that big of a deal. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge deal. So speaking of that medical school time and you weren't sure what you were going to do next, I know from the inside scoop that that is part of the reason how you ended up meeting your wife. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like how sometimes life has these twists and turns and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. I don't know what's going on. But then this beautiful thing of hindsight, you look back on it and you meet the love of your life. Like, Yeah. I mean, it ended up um, being the greatest thing that happened to me because I had such a strong conviction after taking an internship in general surgery, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I wanted to seek out the best training at the best program to be the best surgeon that I could. So I um, remember uh, applying to a a bunch of programs, but then only interviewing at programs that I thought would give me good training. Mm -hmm. And then ranking them where I thought I would get the best training. And the place to me um, that was the... the, um, the creme de la creme of surgery was the Cleveland Clinic, and that's yeah. where I wanted to go. So um, I uh, ended up starting training there then. Um, and yeah, in my third year presidency, I met my wife. But now I'm confused because your wife's a vet. Yes. So why was she at the Cleveland Clinic? So she was a surgeon in uh, Akron, Ohio. Um, so a veterinarian. Vet. She was a veterinarian okay. in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> And um, yeah, so we went. We met at a uh, at a diner in uh, Cleveland. Um, like a straight up blind date. Like who meets someone at a diner? No, you know uh, we have some mutual friends. So, okay. Yeah. Do you have people that you need to credit as like hooking you guys up? Like Not these people. Really. Okay, just no. mutual friends. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, I don't. Yeah, we're we're not that like. Um, it's not that. Great of a story, but I will tell I you that all the she was in a snowstorm um, and drove over two and a half hours to get to her first date. And wow. I admired her um, conviction to yeah. not cancel and wow. to um, yeah to to come and meet me. So what did you guys do on that date? That was the diner date. We ate breakfast. We ate breakfast. Yeah. Two and a half hours in the snow. Yep. Was she late for breakfast because of the snowstorm? Very, very slightly. And she called me to say she was going to be late. And I don't even know why she was worried about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, first impression. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you've met my wife. She's She's amazing. amazing. There's no, yeah. I'm very fortunate to be married to her. Yeah. 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 But see, that's one of those things. Like, you didn't know that that pause in your life was then going to allow for those convergences of your yeah. lives. Yeah. You know, I never actually considered my personal life very much. I was always focused really? on my career. Yeah. I never um, had this, you know, dream that I was going to settle down, get married, have children. For me, I was uh, very focused on becoming a surgeon. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you that being in a family and being married and being a dad has probably made me a much better surgeon because I feel like I understand a lot more of um, my concerns mirror my mm-hmm. patient's concerns a mm-hmm. lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting to me because I think I probably was a reverse. Like I always thought about like my personal life and then like added the career on. Do you think that's from your upbringing? Do you think that's from like, how was that 
No, I, I think I wanted to do what I do now with such conviction that it's all I ever pursued yeah. first. It was always the first priority. Were you like a honor roll principles list kind of a kid all through school and stuff? Yes. Okay, you see, I wasn't. I came to it later. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was doing all the fun stuff. Like, it's kind of funny. My kids, they have better grades than I did in high school. Yes. But when we got to college and I knew what I wanted, yes. game on. Yeah. Mom's got game now. <laughs> but there are different kinds of intelligence. So yes. there's things that I am very deficient in that I admire about you, for example, you know, um, and then there's, it's the same, you know, there, you, yeah. there are different types of intelligence that different people exhibit. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not, you know, life is about more than, than reading a book and taking an exam. the answers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, there's a different path for mm-hmm. everybody. You know, not everyone who chooses to be a surgeon has the same path that I took either. Right. So, um, but there, I, I think that what you just touched on was that, you know, different people have a different mm-hmm. route through life mm-hmm. and um, a different way of reaching their goals. So yeah. yeah. And I think it's also true that sometimes our goals change in our seasons of life, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you had gotten, if you and your wife had met and then kids weren't in the cards for you guys, that might have changed your priorities and you might want to... Maybe. Um, I will tell you that I feel like my family takes a lot of uh, the burdens of sacrificing things to make our priorities professionally work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably true of a lot of healthcare providers. Um, so I'm very appreciative of my family for what they do to make mm-hmm. this work for me and mm-hmm. for my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes a village for everything. So It's so interesting because that's yeah. true in all professions, yes, right? Absolutely. Like, whether you're the electrician or whether absolutely. you're a surgeon, like when your electricity goes out on Thanksgiving Day, that Someone who's electrician's call family right. is sacrificing their exactly. time with their family and their family's sacrificing yeah. their time so that they can get your heating turned on. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I it's think, important. You can't survive without heat. So, Or yeah. whatever internal organ we need to operate yeah. on or whatever. Yeah. Yes. It's important. I love that idea too because I think your idea of multiple intelligences, that's part of my vision behind this podcast is yeah. that we can look at certain people and put them in a hierarchy. Like these people are more important than these people. And these no, people. We're all people though. I mean, right. Right. And the more I talk to people, people are telling me that. And I'm like, oh good. I'm not the only one who thinks that. <laughs> no. Like we're all in this together. We're all people. Yeah. And we all have a different job to serve. Yes. Like I can't do what you do. You can't do what I do. But we all need to yeah. be our own. It's kind of funny though when um, ever anyone says thank you, I'm like, well, of course you would do the same thing for mm-hmm. me. Like in, and we talked about yeah. this the last time in that like cataclysmic movie scene where you're like falling off a cliff and there's like someone yeah. in slow motion throwing a rope down to you. Yeah. All of us would throw that yeah. rope down and pull someone, yeah. you know, up if we were in a position to do so. Right. And we all do that to others in our yeah. in our own way. So I think the next step though of a J is having eyes to see. I have a rope in my hands. Yeah. I could help. How about I help them? Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes we're just busy and we don't see that we have the ability to help and bless other people. Right. You know, it's very true. It's a hard thing to be attuning to that at times. So, okay. So behind the scenes of surgery, last time we (laughs) talked, I got to know there's a whole mess of people up in there. It's like a party in that OR room. Not in a like joyful sense but that isn't a, a like a, it's not a solo it's not just Jay in a patient yes we work in teams totally exactly. a team yeah and I love this I've, I have this vision of you every time I wash my hands now of you like doing your scrubbing and like saying a prayer or thinking about this patient like it's not just I'm just washing my hands doing my thing like you have this mindfulness about it 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, so you say of course, but other people don't know that. Other people, it's like a mystery. Other people have never had the opportunity to sit down and talk to a surgeon and to know that surgeons care. Yes. That's good. That you all care. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. You're trusting them with a lot. When... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So my other question for you, after I thought about this more, like the behind the scenes, like you know a lot about health. A lot. Okay. So what do you think is like a list of most important things to do for your health? Um, like personally or professionally? Or, sure. You know? Number one is to stop smoking. Okay. If I could tell anyone the number one thing you could do to positively impact your health, it is to either avoid or to stop using all tobacco and nicotine containing What products. about like the vaping? I don't even know anything about this. It doesn't this. matter. It's okay, that's a still thing. high concentrations of nicotine and Cut it's out the highly vaping. addictive. Okay. So if I had to think of vices or diseases mm-hmm. that we have in our society that um, people need help with, it would be to stop smoking and to reach out for help when you need that. Mm-hmm. Number two thing is to ask for help because mm-hmm. a lot of people struggle with their own personal health because they don't know what resources mm-hmm. are available to them. So if people knew to ask for help, mm-hmm. they would probably positively impact their health a lot. And then the number three thing I would say is to, for everybody to get a primary care physician mm-hmm. and see them yearly for mm-hmm. screening preventative health exams to prevent the most common causes yeah. of death and disease. Yeah. Now, when you said your number two about getting help, that wasn't just in light of the nicotine addiction. That's like anything. Yes. Right? Okay. So I think so- if you're struggling in life, sleep deprivation, work, stress, thoughts of suicide or harming yourself, familial stress, financial mm-hmm. stress, tax trouble, making everything work, it's time to take stock of your resources mm-hmm. and ask for help. A very dear friend of mine um, uh, uh, passed away in college, and I mm-hmm. remember his parents um, stating this at his funeral at their eulogy to their son, and it mm-hmm. stuck out with me, and I want to spread the message to everyone that if you're struggling in life, to ask for help. Because mm-hmm. most of us would rather help someone that we never knew even if we didn't know somebody, than ever have them suffer alone. And I think that's a common thread in humanity is the the desire to help others. So I would say for anyone who's feeling like they're struggling in life Mm -hmm. is to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think about too when you talk about that is accountability. Like I think a lot about weight. For some people in our society, that's a really hard thing. But to ask for accountability, to ask for help in that vein as well. That was one of the key things that I, I kind of expected you to say was like weight and health and um, nutrition and diet and all those kinds of things oh, as well. Oh, it's so hard to... Oh, I think we all struggle with our image of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think we become a very visual society. Mm-hmm in part related to technology, but I almost feel like people are visual creatures and a lot of that was in us already and this just sort of exponentially expanded that obsession that we have. And I think we should worry less about what we Mm -hmm. look like and more about how we feel and how healthy we are. Yes. So Do we get winded walking up the stairs? That's a sign that maybe... That's much more important than if you're happy with um, or like what you look like or what size jeans you fit into. You know, I don't think that we should really focus on what we look like so much. Everyone's beautiful. Yeah. Um... 
what's really matters is how healthy you are mm-hmm. and how healthy you feel. Mm-hmm. So, what about fitness? You didn't mention that. I kind of thought you would talk to me about exercise. Yeah, I mean, people are supposed to exercise <laughs> thirty minutes five times a day yeah. or a week, yeah. but um, uh, a lot of us aren't going to hit that mark right. with our busy lives, you right. know. And so, exercise can mean different things to different people. Um, but if you're asking my, my top three yes, things, I liked them. Number three, if seeing a, a family provider when you go in for your well checkup, mm-hmm. that is something that they would check on. Yeah. And to me, that that's getting in to see a preventative health provider right. who can also you know diagnose and treat a lot of mm-hmm. common diseases as mm-hmm. well is a really important step to do. And mm-hmm. um, they would jog you to exercise. Right, as well. right. Mine does. Right. Mine <laughs> does sure. in the sunscreen. And, yeah, you know. sunscreen. Yeah. The yeah. yes, exactly. Eat healthy and um yeah getting all my screening tests done and yeah yeah I just always think it's interesting I feel like you guys have the inside scoop obviously it's your profession right like teach me the back road tricks you know so that I don't have to see you in surgery you know I'd like to see you more socially (laughs) yeah well you know and the one thing in my job at least is most people don't do anything to deserve having a disease so we always talk about Madeline the little girl from Paris who had the appendicitis case yeah you know um little kids read books yes. and that's the book that always comes up um no one ever deserved mm-hmm. to get appendicitis mm-hmm. they come in because they're sick and you take right. care of them so right. uh, a lot of things we can't prevent really. yes we just have to take care of so there right. are a lot of things we can prevent but then um you know the unfortunate thing is that sometimes bad things happen and we mm-hmm. just have to take care of them and so. sometimes it's your gene pool yes. like it had nothing to do with you had nothing to do with how you ate how you exercised you know environment it's just that's the genes you have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite surgery story? Hmm. I would be very, very challenged to give you a single story. I love my job so much. I feel like I just enjoy every day of it. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. Yeah? Yeah. It, I'm very focused at what I'm doing in the moment. So unless right. you give me um, a more specific a more type specific of thing, it'd be thing. hard for me to give you a very like concrete answer. Do you have a surgery story like you thought, oh man, this is not going to go well, and then like, surprise ending, it worked out okay? Um, I'm sure. I'm very blessed that we have um, miracles in our life every day, Mm -hmm. so it's hard for me to pinpoint a single one. I can tell you what I've realized over time doing surgery is that we're all in hands that are greater than our own, Mm -hmm. so we can do our best work, or we can come into a case that's very challenging. And sometimes there will just be a little bit of a gentle nudge from a greater power that will help things go in a positive direction. Um, and sometimes there will not. But mm-hmm. um, that's probably the, the warmest feeling mm-hmm. is that um, we're, we're kind of – a lot of things are in our hands and a lot of things are out of our hands. Yeah. And the only thing we can do is do the best job yeah. that we're doing with the tasks that we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Whether – I mean, that applies to everything beyond surgery. So this weekend, we were cleaning toilets in my house. Awesome. And they better be clean. So all I could do was do the best job yeah. scrubbing toilets yeah. that I possibly can. My yeah. wife was, you know, scrubbing the kitchen floor, and I was scrubbing the toilets. And we were like, we're, we're going to make this the cleanest that we possibly can. Yeah. But I think that, that applies to everything you right. do in life, not just in surgery. So, But I think it's also you have to be present there. I think something I struggle with in my own mind is that I'm divided. Right? Like, I'm scrubbing the toilet, but I'm thinking about this next thing. And I'm thinking about I need to do that. And I need to do that. Like, just to slow my brain down is tricky. 
but we can't really multitask. So when I think that a lot of times we fool ourselves into saying we're multitasking and what we're doing is not focusing on one task and Mm -hmm. sort of letting our mind wander a lot. And I struggle with this as well, but the, um, what I've learned to remind myself at times is rather than seeing myself as multitasking, my little mental to-do list Mm -hmm. for the next eight moments is going to happen as soon as I finish doing this task Mm -hmm. well. Um, And then I'll get to that next task on the list. And sometimes you have to interrupt what you're doing because something bumps it up in priority. So, um, but really, we can't really multitask very well. We can really only do one thing at a time. So it, I, I think that the trying to be present and then doing 20 other things yeah. just doesn't work so well. I'm sh- That's true. Even like when I'm cooking dinner, my kids are trying to tell me about their day. Yeah. Like if it's a recipe I've done a thousand times, no problem. Right. But if it's a new recipe, I'm not really listening to you. Let's be honest. Like- right. Or like you can pop something in the oven and then talk, but then it's in the oven. Right. You're not actually like right. cooking. The oven's doing its job and then right. you're turning someone right. and talking. Right. It's very hard to... You know, measure something, whatever, add things in, mm-hmm. toil over the stove while you're still talking if it's something unfamiliar. Yeah, so, yeah, especially if it's new. Yeah. I loved our last conversation. You educated me that surgeons, y'all have like a list and we make sure that whatever we were messing with isn't in that person at the end. Like that is a good example of y'all oh my don't goodness. multitask. We do a lot of safety checks in surgery. Yeah. And that's a team effort for sure because everyone has a role to play in, in some mm-hmm. of their safety hard stops so um you know last time we talked about who's in the room when you're in surgery we talked about uh having a surgeon and then usually we have a partner operating with us either a surgeon a first assist or a physician's assistant um a scrub nurse who runs the table circulator nurse whose job is to keep the operating room running and an anesthesiologist and sometimes there's more people than that we talked about having turnover like crew and or techs who who get the cases for the next right. case ready and clean the rooms and get everything ready. So there's a huge team involved, but almost everyone's involved in doing different safety checks to check yeah. that the equipment's sterile, that we have the correct patients, that we don't leave items behind, mm-hmm. that we are not, we don't have anything in the room that would be an allergen to a patient, mm. um, that we have everything we need to get through a case successfully, mm-hmm. that all the Oxygen, tanks are full, that the vents mm-hmm. are functioning. There's so many different safety checks that we do to make sure that surgery is safe. You know? How many cases do you do a day? It depends. Um, so certain cases take more time. Right. Certain cases are shorter. So we wouldn't be able to do a number of longer cases right. just because there's not enough time in the day. How much break do you get in between cases? Um, it's not really a... Break. Usually between cases, we'll uh, make sure that patients are doing well after a case, mm-hmm. which takes some time. Um, and we sign the patients over to um, the recovery mm-hmm. room, um, where they're still under our care and the anesthesiologist's mm-hmm. care and the recovery room mm-hmm. nurse's care. Um, and um, we have paperwork to do in surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, we meet our next patient and we start the next case. So um, I don't... But you have to, like, scrub out, right? And you, like, do you change your whole clothes? Do you have, like, a cover over your scrubs? How's that work? 
Um, so the first thing you do is you wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> we always wash. I love washing my hands. So. <laughs> Maybe that's how you knew you were a surgeon at a young age. You're like, I, I love, love washing my hands. <laughs> and you asked me what rituals we have. And it's that first scrub of the day where you're doing a nice thorough scrub and you're yeah. getting everything clean. Um, and it's a really nice peaceful moment. It takes a while. As yeah. I told you, I still remember the first time I ever scrubbed in medical school. Um, but, uh, we wash, you wash your hands um, and you discard any disposable personal protective equipment. Okay, right. So, because you don't want that to track right. to another room. Right. Um, and uh, you do change any any soiled scrubs always. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you have like a spare at the at the hospital? How does it work? There's a machine. Oh, yeah. that's there's right. There's a scrub machine, that. and the scrubs get cleaned and um, reprocessed and come back it's up. It's like a vending machine. machine. Yeah, and there's a team that takes care of that. So I don't actually know all the details of how that happens. Remember, so we like different sizes. Like, it's not like yes. you have to wear, like, the small pink... No, 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 no. Well, you okay. have scrubs that fit you, yeah. Got it, got But it. there's a, a team of people who clean the scrubs and get them nice and folded and yeah. individually packaged and back up to the machine. Yeah. That's so cool. There's teams for everything. We're so interdependent. Yeah. That, yeah. That's crazy. So if you or a loved one were going to have surgery, what are the, you, you had your lovely three things for fitness or three things for healthy, <laughs> you, got a, you got a list for this? Like, um, I would seek that. Um, my surgeon is a member of, um, so my field that they were a member of the uh, fellowship um, uh, of, they were a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. Okay. So after you finished your training and you sit your licensing board exam mm-hmm. so you're board certified and I would say that that's the minimum to be able to practice surgery and you've been out in practice for a couple of years you have to have a professional reputation that you're doing quality work and mm-hmm. practicing as an ethical surgeon okay. um, uh, and have a number of peer references yeah by doing you know solid work to get membership in your chapter of uh, American College of Surgeons. Okay. And so if I were seeking to have surgery, I would be able to trust yeah. that someone has that level of professional achievement by making sure that they were um, a fellow of the American College yeah. of Surgeons. Okay. So usually um, when I would, and we talked about this mm-hmm. too, because you asked how people find us and yeah. I, I didn't know what that meant when they would look <laughs> us up. I assumed that they would look through the fellowships. No, no one knows about that. Website through the American College of Surgeons. Google. And, and yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I would probably want to make sure that they are they're, they're a fellow of the American College of Surgeons on the on the ACS, uh, ACS website. And like post-operatively, like my mom was a nurse practitioner and mm-hmm. so she taught me a lot about medical bedside care, all these kinds of things. Like what things are you going to have in the house for a loved one of yours post-operatively? Like you're gonna have special things for hydration. Like what? Do, what? What do you think about that? Depends. There's so many different. I know, right? But is there any overarching like Tylenol? <laughs> An Tylenol. ice pack. Ice pack. Okay. Yeah. Pretty basic. Pretty basic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought you would throw in like maybe Netflix subscription or something like you know. Oh, I don't know. I think that if I had free time, I would read a book, book. or something. Mm-hmm. Over. And what are you gonna read in your free time? Um. Ooh. Either something, I don't know. I like reading both fiction and nonfiction. Okay. Um, when I was younger, I used to read a lot of historical fiction. Yeah. Like John Jakes and um, and a little bit of science fiction, like okay. Gene Roddenberry. Okay. Um, as I 
got a little older, I started reading like stories of diaspora. And I think that's just because of my, my upbringing, yeah. you know, as an immigrant, as children, um, you know, we're a country of immigrants. Yeah. So, um, those always fascinated me. Um, uh, so probably another, you know, that's probably where I am in the mm-hmm. literature that I would enjoy is, uh, sort of those stories like diaspora and immigration. Yeah. yeah. So looking forward, we talked about like how you got here. What do you see in the future for you? Oh my goodness. Who knows? This I, was a hard question. I don't know how I would answer it, honestly. I know. I don't know. Um, Dreams, hopes, things I'm, you want to do? Uh, I'm, I hate, I don't want to jinx it, uh, but I'm really fortunate where I mm-hmm. am. I'm doing a job that I've always wanted to do. I'm working in a lovely hospital. I work for Carroll Hospital. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's got such a positive culture mm-hmm. where they really care about people and it's such an inspiring place to work, um, and they really do fulfill that mission of wanting to serve their community mm-hmm. so well. It's just a lovely place to work, and um, uh, it's hard to want to change anything, you know. So I uh, hate to sound really boring. I don't really want too much. I don't change think it in sounds life. boring. I think it sounds content. <laughs> yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm, I, I feel very fortunate to sort of have landed mm-hmm. where, where I am right now. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad that there's that contentment. You know, it's not like the next thing, the next thing, the next no. thing. No, and you can't really live your life looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Things happen, but mm-hmm. I'm, uh, sometimes you have to, like, enjoy the moment and, like, yes. smell the roses yes. in a way, which maybe in my own way that's, like, what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, you know, I like reading. I like studying. So that was smelling the roses for me because mm-hmm. I was enjoying what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing right now. I really enjoy um, doing surgery and being where I'm at. So. Well, and I think it's also kind of what we're talking about, about being present. Like, this yeah. is where you are right now. And if you have one foot in here and the next foot's like, but next I'm going to do this. It's, I think it's hard to be here right now because yeah. you're thinking about that next thing. But I, I struggle with that myself. Like Yeah, I think as a surgeon also you want to um, sort of serve a community over a longitudinal period. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily want to be hopping around from job to job yeah. to job because you have patients and post-operative patients and cancer patients who you survey regularly. Right. And those relationships are so rewarding yes. that you yep. almost um, that's like the rewarding mm-hmm. part of, of your mm-hmm. practice. So it I'm not necessarily, um, you know, I look forward to going to work at the job I'm at right mm-hmm. now rather than trying to change things yeah. too much. You said something in our last conversation that I've been holding on to and mulling over. Be scared. Be very scared. It's not that serious of a thing. Okay. <laughs> Is that it's hard to get up some days, but once you get there, it's wonderful. Well, in the context, it was um, the people that we see every yeah. day. Um, or bring a lot of joy. Right. Like 5.30 in the morning comes early is my point, right? Especially yeah. this time of the year. Like, it's kind of early. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's not that early. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, but so sometimes, you know, you have your aches and pains when you get yeah. up in the morning. It's hard to get out of bed. But yes, yes exactly. The, getting to see the people I work with and the patients I take care of is very, very inspiring. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. keeps me going. Yeah. So you're right. And not every morning when you get you roll out of bed is like the easiest day. Yeah. Or, you know, like, um, not everything, not every task you're set to do is Mm -hmm. maybe an enjoyable task, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. um, the overall work is wonderful. Like I imagine you like the surgery part better than the paperwork part. 
maybe, I mean, I like talking to people and, and seeing them do well. And I yeah. like focusing on a job well done. Yeah. So that is surgery, but that's also paperwork because okay. the paperwork's important too. Yeah. If someone needs time off from work and, and the forms are being completed well, you're going to get, yeah. you're going to get them enough time to recover from a surgery. So it's kind of a whole picture mm-hmm. thing. I mean, yeah, no one wants to sit there filing papers as their dream in life, but it's so important so that someone can have time to recover mm-hmm. from what mm-hmm. was a pretty big moment and have mm-hmm. a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So um, I, know I wouldn't identify that as the most annoying part of my job. What's the most annoying part, though? I don't know. I really like my job, Karen. You're such a dork. It's wonderful. <laughs> In a good way. Like I'm a, a, so you know. fortunate to, yeah. have, to have gotten to do this and um, uh, take care of patients. It's just lovely. Yeah. That's amazing. You would ask me how I de-stress, and yes. I told you that the patients really inspire yeah. me, and that's the de-stressing in yeah. my life. So um, it's... I, it's it's a very rewarding field to go into, and you'll see people talk about how, you know, there's no trust in healthcare anymore, mm. or whatever. But I don't see that. I think I don't that, see that. Yeah, I mean, when someone's sick and they go see a doctor, they're looking to get better. And yeah, we, we do help people feel better a lot, so it's so rewarding, mm-hmm. and people are just wonderful to talk to, and getting to know them. Um, like I said, it's it's one of the most inspiring parts of my life. So yeah, yeah. And this is why I wanted you on people presence because you love people, and it's <laughs> it's obvious even in the interactions that you and I have in a non medical section setting. I'm like, he loves people. He should come and talk with me. That'd be oh. great. <laughs> so well, thank you for making time yet again. To oh, come it's and been talk. a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Honestly, it's it's um it's uh it's what we both like to do so it yeah, yeah it hasn't it was uh, it's my pleasure to come by again well thank you i hope you enjoyed listening into this conversation with jay and i hope as you walk away from this you might have a takeaway for me i think my takeaway I have so many. When I sit back and think about my conversation with Jay, I'm like, oh, that really reminds me of Jay. And oh, that one too. And oh, that one too. I don't want to be redundant and tell you some of the things I told you at the intro. But to assume the best in people. To assume that if someone were to pass by and see me falling off the edge of the cliff, they would throw a rope to me. And so how can I, metaphorically speaking, throw ropes to other people? Not to just assume that someone else is going to take care of it or they don't really want my help. I don't really know what I'm doing. But to offer assistance to others or the things that I do well, to do them well for other people. Because other people do different things well. And that will be added to my life and my experience on this earth. Um, Also to enjoy the moment, to just be present in the moment more. It was just a really good reminder that when we have so many things fighting for our attention and our to-do lists and all these different things, to just pause and to be in that moment scrubbing those toilets, as Jay was mentioning with his wife, or to be in surgery and to be fully present there and, you know, following all the steps that I need to do this job well, to not rush ahead. I feel like, especially in my own life right now, that's something I'm really struggling with. I just um, said to one of my kids the other day, I feel like my brain is spaghetti right now. There's just so much going on in there but just to stick with one task and to follow it through and get it done. I hope today you feel like surgeons are just people because they are. I was a little intimidated to sit down with a surgeon, but people are just people. And various guests that I've talked to have told me that same thing. That just makes me feel excited that my assumption in life has been proven true over and over again, that all people want to do their jobs well, hopefully, 
and that life is richer and fuller for spending time with people and for asking to be included into their story. So I hope you take a risk maybe and ask someone for tea or coffee or go for a walk or connect with someone on some level. Extra credit, not that there's really points anywhere, just so you know, but extra credit if you do it for someone who feels a little bit out of your quote-unquote league. Nobody is really out of our leagues, but we put these fake barriers in our mind and think like that. So break through that barrier, people. Thank you for being a faithful listener. And if you're here at the end, I just wanted to remind you that you can see some pictures of our guests and check me out over on Instagram. I don't post a whole bunch there, but there are some behind the scenes things happening over there. And my Instagram name is my name, Karen, K-A-R-Y-N dot Hobson, H-O-B-S-O-N. Karen, K-A-R-Y-N dot Hobson, H-O-B-S-O-N. When you're over there in my bio, you'll see a link tree link in my um, bio in Instagram. And you can click on that to see all the previous episodes that I've done. And also you can sign up for my mailing list. I'm not in a really rhythm of releasing episodes on the same day of the week or even once a week or anything like that at this stage of the game. But the best way to know if you haven't missed an episode is by signing up for that email list. Another way is you can just, whatever platform you're listening to podcasts on is to subscribe and then it will go in your feed automatically, whether that's on iTunes or Stitcher or um, Podbean or any of the platforms. All It should be everywhere. So hope you can find it there as well. And I would be honored if you would share this with a friend. Sometimes people ask me, is it okay if I share it? Yes, that's the whole point. Share it with people. Let everybody know that people are cool because that's what this whole project and process is all about. Knowing that people are amazing and we should celebrate one another in little ways and in big ways. Okay, that's a wrap. Dr. J. Middle has educated us. We've caught up on how to stay in touch with one another and we will go out and be involved in people's lives and be present in the moments that are before us. Focus on doing one thing well, right in front of us. To appreciate the teams around us and to realize I'm on a great team and there are other great teams around me that support me and help me to be able to live the life that I'm living. Remember, every person is a present.